Welcome back to episode three. I'm Tina. And I'm Jen. And this is The Sinistry, a podcast where we explore the sinistries or compatibilities and potential astrological signs of our favorite fictional characters in TV, film, and beyond. This is all guesswork, but in making these guesses, we are learning about the signs and human connection through the zodiac lens. If you are new here, welcome. And if you're a listener, thanks for coming back. Today, we're talking about the astrology and sinistries of Pocahontas, Mulan, and Ariel. All righty, gang. We're doing Disney today. That's exciting. I feel like this is going to be a bit lighter of an episode compared to our White Lotus one last one. So let's get into it. But before we do, I just want to recap what we mean when we say the big three. So our listeners are on the same page as what exactly we do here on this industry. When I say big three, I'm referring to sun sign, moon sign, and rising sign or ascendant of the particular fictional character in question. So for example, our sun signs, that is the sign we were born under your birth date. And that is going to basically give you the background color of your canvas as a human being, so to speak. It is just an overlying element of who you are. It really will infiltrate all the other aspects of the natal chart. Your moon sign, very different, is a much more intimate portrait of the self. It's your emotional plane. It's what you need as a human being. It's what feeds your soul. That's the moon. And then the rising sign is your outward mask to public spaces. So it's sort of your first impression, your outward personality, uh, what people look at you as and what you represent in your first initial meetings, one-on-ones with people. So that's just a broad overview. And always feel free to reach out if you guys have any questions about astrology. So let's get into it. I'm super excited. Me too. I I had so much trouble landing on my decisions. I really was like back and forth like, no, it's got to be this and how they, as they like grow as people throughout the films, it was, it was a very fun little ride for me. So I think the best call is to sort of do it in chronological order and start with Ariel, if that's cool. Absolutely. Do you want to get into some like just general thoughts about these movies to start us off? Like you said, rewatching these movies, as the Disney movies go on, the princesses become more complex and the stories get deeper. There's more character story behind all of them. Pocahontas was a real person, so that was an interesting one to see. Definitely. So just some general thoughts. I'll start with Pocahontas. I immediately was like, is this Tim Allen? Is John Smith Tim Allen? Can you guess who his voice is? Mel Gibson. How'd you know? (laughs) My mother was his biggest fan, so I know that voice anywhere. (laughs) What women want. Totally. (laughs) And do you remember Thomas, like the redhead? Thomas. Yes, yes. Guess who that is? No idea. Christian Bale. No way. Wait, I I deep down somewhere in the memory banks knew that. That's that's really funny. That's insane. (laughs) So I just thought that was fascinating. Of course, I do this when I see any movie, go on IMDb, want to know their history, want to know how they became who they are. Same goes if you're animated. I don't care. I'll still find out (laughs) who played this character and whatnot. The music in Pocahontas, I don't know if I liked singing it the most, but it really just reminded me of my childhood. Same. I, I think, honestly, these three films, which are probably my top three favorite Disney princess films, I have to say this rewatching Pocahontas for the first time in a long while, 
I, I it bumped it up to number one for me. I was like so emotional, and this the music was just like gave me the chills throughout. It was I, I really I really enjoyed rewatching that movie. Okay, so like onto the Little Mermaid. I'm just gonna go through them all. One thing that kind of bothered me was like when she turns into a human and has legs, she like suddenly can't swim. I'm like, okay, what about butterfly stroke where you're literally like a mermaid anyway? Like you're an Olympian swimmer and now you can't swim because you have legs? Like you can put your (laughs) legs together. They've been together for years. (laughs) I can't wait to do an episode on villains like I've said before because Ursula is just everything. She is so good. (laughs) So good. And then just moving on to Milan really quickly. Finally, there's a mom. There's a mom figure. It's like right? all of these movies, the mom is nowhere to be found. And finally, we have a mom. Same thing with the music. Great music. I actually did a dance in high school to I'll Make a Man Out of You. We all had sticks. Great time. These are bops. <laughs> At the end, we get Reflection, Christina Aguilera. What a bop. And the very end track reminded me of something from the Goofy movie. So I looked it up. It's 98 Degrees featuring Stevie Wonder. What? Yep. That's insane. Yep. That is so cool. Also, Mulan, to me, arguably has one of the best voices out of all the Disney princesses when she sings. Beautiful voice. What a range. That's interesting. I didn't think about it that way. She does. She's she's such a badass. Like, all of these. That's why I love that this is a Rebel episode. They're just so against the grain. So let's get into their astrological charts where would you like to start uh let's start with the little mermaid let's do ariel her big three you guys now i know the words the big three (laughs) well i i'm gonna disappoint you because i know you were hoping for for some libra action in ariel and i you know side note tina and i are both libras so we obviously gravitate towards that sign a lot and as you know Growing up little girls watching these movies and idolizing these characters, I'm sure we want to see ourselves so much in them. But for me, Ariel, I chose a Sagittarius sun, which honestly, Tina, that's probably where you see yourself in her because you're a Sag rising. And I think that that's the connectivity that you feel. My big three for Ariel, this is just my theory. Sagittarius sun, Aquarius moon, and Leo rising. So when would her birthday potentially be? So Ariel's birthday for Sagittarius would potentially be the very end of November until close to the end of December. Her birthday is October 8th. She's a Libra. Stop. That's amazing. (laughs) That's amazing. I mean, I love that. I love that for us. (laughs) But um, I will tell you why I chose Sagittarius. I feel like... The Sagittarian, it's it's the archer. So the archetype of Sagittarius is the guy with the arrow. It's not the guy, though. It's the arrow itself. So it's sort of this forward movement, lots of energy, a world traveler, seeking wisdom. I guess it's like very, it's like the wise man of Sagittarius. It's It sort of spoke of Ariel to me, just to sort of her fierce drive to to want more, to see more, to experience more. And I think that that's why I chose Sagittarius. And to travel, like she didn't seem happy being stagnant or in one place. And so there's this sort of just background of Ariel of like, I want to go. I want to be somewhere else. I want to be like, if she was not a mermaid, it would be like a girl, you know, 
in middle America that wants to up and move to Paris or something like that. Like she just really wanted more to her life and similar to Belle in a way, but she did so with such a gusto, you know, instead of just dream about it, she, there was action oriented in this. So that to me spoke of fire sign Sagittarius, which also has a lot of air quality to it because it's flying through the air. So that was my, that's my theory on on that that's my reason yeah she's definitely fearless adventurous curious she's a low-key hoarder she has so much stuff (laughs) but yeah there's something about her that is very similar to bell well she wants to be a part of their world she wants to get out of her world which also i thought was really interesting because a lot of the princesses that we see don't have any siblings like cinderella has her stepsisters that want nothing to do with her but ariel actually has sisters that maybe are a little bit older than her and don't involve her. Like they seem to be like a, a quad. Or I think there's four of them. Yeah. No, no, no. Oh, this is actually interesting. I think I wrote this down somewhere. There's six others. Ariel's the seventh sister. Oh, wow. Yeah. You know, you definitely put it in my head, the Libra thing. And I was sort of thinking ways where she wasn't a Libra. I think a Libra, the Libra in her would never do that to her siblings or her father. I think she would just be too much of a people pleaser. Like she would feel terrible to be disappearing in such an important time. She would be a little bit more balanced on things instead of hoard so much stuff randomly. I agree. I would want it. Yeah. As a Libra myself, I would be like, man, I really want to do this, but I feel really badly. She like almost doesn't look back, goes to Ursula gets her legs, finds her man. And then same thing. The guy's like, I don't remember you. You look familiar. It's like, she has the same face. I know that you were just like washed up on a boat and maybe have a concussion. But to only recognize her from her voice, come on. He's he's a lovable, (laughs) lovable dummy. Yeah, I I also, I gave Ariel an air moon to be fair to this air quality because I definitely think there's air there. She just read... To me, even though she's a mermaid, she's physically in the water, I read her as fire and air completely. And I think that that sort of speaks to this metaphor of her wanting to not be associated with water because that's just not who she was. You know what I mean? It's much more like air, fire. I'm not, this isn't my world. And the Aquarius moon is sort of what her her soul needs and wants and like her what drives her soul. And I think that I put her as an Aquarian moon for that reason, Aquarius is an air sign. It's a fixed sign. It's very stubborn. So it's like they go after what they want. And that really, like, she's very driven. She's very stubborn. She's very adamant. And it's the rebel. Like, they call Aquarius the, the David Bowie sign. It's rebel, rebel. It's, you know, off the beaten path. They are, they shape the mold. They really don't do what society is telling them to do. And she really just breaks the glass ceiling there. Breaks the surface of the water, literally. And, and is, you know wants to be elsewhere so i think that that's why i called her an aquarius moon and then this leo rising the leo rising i didn't really know what her outward personality was but there's obviously a performance aspect to her because she's supposed to be she has a great voice you know she's obviously the star of her family shows or whatever was going on in that first scene that they never address again um so she's definitely sort of in the spotlight in her family life and in her in her kingdom and her hair is like red, this red mane, which is very lion. It's very, it's giving Leo, it's giving fire. And I just thought, Leo rising, she's definitely got 
It's another fixed sign, so it adds to her stubbornness, but also adds to her drive and her fire and her passionate side and her loyalty. You know, it, it, she's got, as soon as she sees Eric, she's like immediately just completely loyal to him. She's loyal to her. In fact, she seems to just be loyal to Eric, to be honest. Yeah, she's lucky she has Flounder. Flounder stays around for her. Sebastian looks out for her. He's more, I think, trying to protect her because he doesn't want her dad to beat him up or like <laughs> banish him from the sea. I, I really explored, I saw, and we'll talk about as we transition into Pocahontas, but there was such a similarity of the father-daughter aspect between the two princesses. Yes. Even in the very first scene, it's the father, the intro to Pocahontas is the father like, where's my daughter? And like, it's his favorite daughter. It's the same dynamic. The mother isn't present. And it's sort of this father figure that's very strict but ultimately, like by the end of both films, the father is like almost inspired by the daughter and like almost envious of her, of her ability to to go beyond what is like expected and what is like structured. So I, I called Triton a definite Aries, like he's straight fire and like leadership and he's Leo as well. Like, but he's got a grounding to him. He's got like obligation seriousness goes by the rules. And I gave him a Capricorn moon because of that. And this is just my sidebar stuff but like I just felt their relationship was so interesting because he just represents such they clash so much in the zodiac sense but they're also so much alike but in the way that her moon is longing for something bigger and out there his moon is more obligated to his duty and his people and like just keeps him planted keeps him rooted in that kingdom and like goes by the book and she's just the opposite of that so it's that rebel thing that that probably incites her to be even more rebellious as anybody that's trying to get her to not be also just a side note back to nothing to do with the astrological sign the castle this is one of the nicest castles it's like on the water it's so beautiful she can kind of still be near her family and be in the castle like they can't go on the land. That's another thing I was confused about. How long can they stay on the land? She was up on that rock for a minute. And I was like, can you breathe out of water? Because like you can see the other fish in the beginning, they're like, like, get me back in the water. And she's just like on this rock, hair blowing in the wind, like a Beyonce moment, looking at her hot ass prince. And I'm just like, does she need to get back in the water? Could they have made life work with her having fins? I think, yeah, she totally is breathing. She's definitely breathing out of the water. Makes no scientific sense. The same as there's total electricity all over the castle. Yes. <laughs> it's like, wow, it's so bright down there. <laughs> so bright. Okay, so remind us what her big three are again. Okay, Ariel's big three, according to me and me alone, Sagittarius sun, Aquarius moon, Leo rising. It's according to me now, too, because I believe in you and everything that you say. <laughs> Thanks, Tina. Should we do it? Hot, hot Prince Eric? Oh, yeah. Let's hear about Eric. What a hottie. What a hottie. So dreamy. And great recorder player. I played the recorder in fourth grade. I know hot cross buns. He knows several tunes. <laughs> and does those dance moves and those boots. The dance moves, the boots. He's also very modest. He saves Max from the burning boat. He's just a gem. He's a gem. He's like straight up Disney Captain America mermaid dude. I, I really, I read him as such a Captain America figure in the Zodiac things. He's just like pure honor and duty. And so I gave him a Leo sun, a Libra moon, and a Cancer rising. And that combo is fire, air, and water. 
And the Leo son, to me, is just, you know, he's a prince. That first and foremost, Leo is the sign of royalty. And it's, but it's sort of this performance aspect. So I felt the, you know, the singing, the recorder, the dancing, the like moment with all the sailors. He's very lovable. He's very respected royalty. And that's sort of this cancer rising where he sort of has that boy next door, wholesome quality, or he's like kind and he's like humble. You know, when they bring out that statue of him, he's like super embarrassed. Like, it's just like, that's very, like, not me. Like, don't do that. That's weird. Um, And then I see the Libra moon in him just because of his like immediate, the first thing I think he says on the ship is like, he wants to find a girl. Like, she's somewhere out there. So like his sole desire to me just spoke of like partnership. And that was this Libra moon aspect where I'm like, this guy just wants to settle down. It's very clear. He's ready to go. And that Libra moon also gives him this like sense of justice and doing what's right. And like not, he doesn't even think before acting in many occasions. Like he dives right back to the boat to get Max out of the fire. Like he's just, he's a superhero. This is like a superhero trio to me. So there's one point where I agree that he does not think before he speaks in the sense of when he hears Ariel's name, no one's like, do you like the name? Like, what are your thoughts, Eric? And he goes, Ariel, that's kind of pretty kind of pretty no one asked you it's a beautiful name and (laughs) you're gonna be saying it a lot because she is now your wife i had the same thought that's really funny i was like kind of pretty it's a great name eric how dare you eric kind of name is that do you want to go into their sinistry now or should we go on to pocahontas and then do all the sinistries at the end Um, I'll do a little quick one, just very quickly, their moons match very well, Ariel and Eric, which is sort of that initial like two air moons will always be a match. And the fact that I think she's a Leo rising and he is a Leo is that immediate attraction, like the physical attraction, the personality attraction. So yeah, and obviously cancer rising is always attractive to anybody because they're just like very outgoing and kind not outgoing but necessarily but just kind and warm and welcoming yeah i love it there were a lot of similarities between ariel and pocahontas especially the father-daughter vibe so can we jump into pocahontas next definitely definitely i think that's a perfect transition is this not present mother very strong father figure he's a leader king or tribal leader um chief i should say and the very first scene he's only cares about where his daughter is when he arrives on the scene and is like where's Pocahontas where's Ariel and they're both not there (laughs) so my (laughs) in in the very similar way of how she kind of mirrors this Ariel figure I gave her the same sun sign I really feel like she's also a Sagittarius and I struggled like my page of notes is all over I look like a crazy person with this notebook of my how many times I changed my mind about her big three but I'm, I'm just going to say she's a Sagittarius. That's just my final answer for my opinion on things. Um, so my big three for Pocahontas is a Sagittarius sun, a Gemini moon, and a Pisces rising. So I do see a lot of similarities between the two. Like we've already said, this fearless, badass, obviously rebel. This is our rebel episode. When would her birthday be? So her birthday would be the same as in theory, Ariel, <laughs> would be end of November to end of December. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, Pocahontas was born on December 10th. (laughs) We'll take it. She's, yeah, I I definitely, 
settled. I, I started Sagittarius, then I swayed to Gemini Sun, then I swayed back to. I also was doing hers intermingled with John Smith's the entire time because this was the first Disney movie that we've reviewed at least, or maybe in this timeline of Disney movies with princesses that maybe Aladdin actually did this, but we haven't gotten there yet. But where you see kind of equal storylines of, and the couple is so intertwined and there's so much dialogue between them that you really have to understand how they are working together so well and like how they're, so I, I was like, equally balancing out what his could be with hers and that's why I was going back and forth so much yeah Um, I really see this kind of Romeo and Juliet vibe from them as well it's like these star-crossed lovers and the family for Pocahontas and then the other horrible men with John (laughs) kind of just like tearing them apart from each other you're not meant to be together and then just the beautiful grandmother willow tree is just like you know what live your best life Every time you step into the river, it's a new river because the water is flowing and life goes on. And people aren't always going to agree with the relationship that you have, but just do you. That's that's what I got from her. <laughs> Grandmother Willow is a mood. She is such a big mood. I loved her. She had me cracking up. And then sidebar, Miko is probably my favorite Disney animal. And I wanted, <laughs> I would want to listen to like a Miko ASMR video to go to bed at night when he's just like crunch, he's like crunching and munching the whole time and I'm just like making those weird noises. Like, I love There's it. that. I bet plenty of people would agree with you on that. Okay, so I'm gonna do John Smith side by side, kind of. I called him out as his big three: Capricorn Sun, Gemini Moon. Ooh, I didn't make a decision on the rising. I literally have question marks all over the place. Ah. Uh, Definitely fire. I it's between Sagittarius and Aries. Aries. I'm gonna go with Sagittarius. I'm gonna say he's a Sagittarius rising. I just think the instant connection between these two could only be explained by having the same moon, where literally she learned they learned each other's languages within the first second, and obviously that's metaphorical, but like they were communicating, their souls were communicating off the bat with each other. Did you say that Eric and Ariel also have the same moon? They have the moon in the same element. So they're both air moons. This is not only both air moons, but the same air sign moon in Gemini. So you really see their connection. And he's from the beginning, like fighting for her. Like some of these other princes are like searching for her or they have concussions because they were just in a boat accident and don't remember her and then get tricked by an octopus, like scary woman. But with (laughs) these two, they're really strong and they're fighting for what's right together. I love it. Yeah, I, I think I, I chose, I, I'm iffy about the Gemini. I, it had to be an air moon. And I say this because there were so many things with wind in that movie. First of all, there were so many references that pertain exactly to my guesswork here as far as there's a scene where I think it's the, I think it's the famous song. What is it? Famous? Colors of the Wind. So in Colors of the Wind, there's a moment where there's two eagles or hawks and then they like, what do you call it? Fade into John Smith and Pocahontas' faces. So it's like <gasps> the two of them are standing the same oh, way. Wow, I didn't even notice that. So it's like birds, air. There's so many references to air. Even at the end of the movie when he's about to kill John Smith, when the chief is about to kill John Smith, that same air kind of comes through and influences everybody to like do the right thing and to bond together. And I just felt like that was such a beautiful, like I, it had to be air for me. The moon signs here had to bond, had to be the same. And so I decided on Gemini. Mostly because 
they both have an extreme amount of curiosity. And Gemini is a very curious sign. They, they want to gather information. They're fast learners. They both seem very intelligent and very curious about each other, about different worlds, about different cultures, different people. And also this love and soul need for freedom. So Gemini is like a very hard sign to lock down when it's your moon sign. There's sort of a, there's a little bit of a detachment there. They want to be free. They don't really like long-term commitments, society commitments, that kind of thing, marriage even. It's a, it's a little bit trickier. They, they could be like a little bit flighty. And I feel like even the way they parted at the end, like I know historically they do end up together because he comes back or she goes to London. I forget what the actual history is. But they said goodbye to each other at the end of the movie and they seemed like okay with it, if that makes sense. Like they're like, we'll see you later. <laughs> that used to bother me before I rewatched it. I remembered him just leaving and being like, I'm going to go back and I'll come back for you. And I was just like, no what? Just take her with you. And then when I watch it this time, they kind of have more of like closure. But I also don't get how he's like, I can't stay here. I'm going to die. But I'm going to go across the Atlantic Ocean again, where I'm going to get scurvy on this boat for the next month. Like, that's going <laughs> to suck. So true. Um, yeah, I think that's why that's why I went for Gemini. I just think that the ending really solidified it for me. We're like, okay, these two are okay with that sense of like, there's a connection that's undoubtable. But at the same time, they're okay with the, their independence of each other in that moment, just knowing that they'll find each other again at some capacity. And that's also like her Sag- me guessing her Sagittarius. There were also a lot of references in the movie. Like remember in the very first scenes, she's she has this dream. And in the dream, there's the spinning arrow. And I was like, well, Sagittarius, literally the arrow. And obviously she's adventurous. She like wants to run around. She's like, nothing could hold her down. She's so adventurous. She dives off of a... 15,000 foot cliff makes the daintiest <laughs> splash. She's just fearless. And John is also fearless. Yeah. So that's why I gave him, well, okay. So I gave her a Pisces rising because she's very intuitive. Like she spoke a lot in the beginning about dreams, like Mother Willow. She's very connected to Mother Willow. I didn't want to give her any earth because I just found that this girl had no roots. Like she was always in the air or in the water, like literally physically. It's just like she was always flying off cliffs or swimming in the water or doing something with those two elements. So no earth here, but definitely a little bit of fire giving her her energy and her dreams and her wisdom. But she's got this dream in the beginning, which just hints of like a strong sense of intuition because she sees these strange clouds in the dream and thinks something is coming and something definitely comes. So that water song was just that ESPN or something. (laughs) HBO. (laughs) No, that's why that's why I went with the Pisces rising and obviously her just like empathy and wanting to merge cultures together, like that's very Piscean. But this dream, this like Neptune ruled Pisces thing definitely came across. Um, and for John Smith, I called him a Capricorn as a sun sign, which is Earth. One reason being she needs that. She needs a little bit of an anchor to her Pocahontas as a person. Not saying he's 100% grounded because he's also got fire and air that's very dominant in his big three. So he's also Sagittarius rising. So that's why... He's an explorer. He's an adventurer. He totally meshes with her sense of adventure and they can like adventure the world together. This is a really good pairing. But like the Capricorn I saw in him is because he does have a sense of duty and he is sort of this structural, a little bit more serious of a person. And that gives him this amazing sense of awe 
when it comes to Pocahontas because she's teaching him throughout the whole film how to be more connected with the elements, with, with nature. And so I just think the Capricorn, he's sort of this, you know, a product of his own society. He thinks that her people are savages, as he calls them, and he just knows that that's what we're here. We're here to do that. We're here to help you, to teach you. Meanwhile, she's teaching him throughout the whole movie, and there's sort of this twist. And I, I just think that that song, "Listen to Your Heart," what a jam! So good. All the music. I had chills. I was. I loved watching this movie so much again. But I, that to me, like the whole "Listen to Your Heart" and then them learning each other's languages within the first two seconds of meeting each other is just like soulmates. Like, just these two are just completely souls intertwined and that's clear in what i predict their big three might be and just to recap can you tell us again the big three for pocahontas and then for john so pocahontas in my opinion sagittarius sun gemini moon pisces rising and john smith capricorn sun gemini moon sagittarius rising love it so let's move on to our final rebel the incredible mulan what are Mulan's big three? So Mulan, also tricky for me. I have a lot of scratches on this piece of paper. I went back and forth on mixing and matching. You have a girl, and this, I really want to talk about this movie as far as like the context of a more modern and, you know, I hate to use the word woke, but I'm going to just say it's something along those words, like a more awakened culture where this whole movie to me hinted at gender identification it hinted at possibly like homosexuality transsexuality there was a lot of just this theme of truly being yourself even the song reflections like when will my reflection look like me and you know that whole there's a scene where she wipes half her face off while she's looking in the mirror because she wipes half um, the makeup off so she has this duality of the feminine that her culture wants her to be and embrace versus just who she is and whether that's masculine whether it's her sexuality whatever is going on with Mulan the theme to me was a person that on the surface had to be one way but her inner soul her soul need her fire what drives her as a person what makes her the happiest had to be buried and so I read it like that from an astrological perspective and that whatever needs to whatever is hidden is your moon whatever your heart needs your soul needs your soul's desire is your moon sign so I was like okay it has to be something pretty incredible within her that she has to hide with other things so I read her as a Capricorn sun an Aries moon and a Virgo rising my reasons for this is a Capricorn in general there's a sentence that her father says when the the blossom falls from the tree the apple blossom I think it's called cherry blossom yeah the cherry blossom falls from the tree and he says that basically it's okay to be a late bloomer in many ways because she's just feeling like not She's not bringing honor to the family. She's not doing anything right. And he's just like, it's okay. You know, sometimes the the flower that blooms the latest is the most beautiful one kind of thing. And that's such a Capricorn. Capricorns are known for the slow and steady rise. You know, they're one of the most ambitious signs. It's the sea goat. So they're going to climb to the top, but they're going to take their sweet time getting there. But once they will always achieve what they manifest, they will always get to the top. They make the best CEOs and companies. If it's an earth sign, there's a grounding to them. There's a drive to them. There's a patience to them. So I think I called her a Capricorn sun. And that's, if you want to reference, that's the end of December to end of January. Do you have Mulan's potential birthday? I do. So Mulan's <laughs> potential birthday is July 27th. So what would that Interesting. She's a Leo. 
I don't know much about Leo's. I see like pride, maybe like this fearlessness that we see in all these rebels and her being like, my dad is not doing well. I'm going to save my family and go in his place and not tell him. But again, I back you. I think we should call <laughs> Disney. We should protest and get these birthdays changed. I like, I really like this though. I think that that it's not, nothing is wrong. There's no wrong answers here, but there's a theory, working theory that I have. And this could pertain to her actual birthday because I was torn between whether she had an Aries moon or a Leo moon. And I, I'll tell you why I went with Aries in a minute, but that could be because what she truly is, is fire, is what I'm saying. You know what I mean? So maybe they were like, okay, she is that as her birthday. It's just hidden because society hides it. I felt like maybe Disney took it as society is masking her sun sign instead of my theory of her others herself is own away masking what she really wants to be and do. I was gonna say so, this is a hard one too because so much of the time is spent with her trying to like fight for her family versus seeing her as she really is like you get a little glimpse of Mulan but there's so much that is in this fighting and that pertains to like what was going on not just like about her personally and she's in disguise. Yeah, I, I think there's something about her her sense of duty and and her sense of like obligation to her family and this idea of honor. There's like a seriousness to her. And yes, again, that's a cultural thing as far as what was going on at that time. But and and her like status and her position in society. But I, I think this is also reflective of Capricorn. So Capricorn's sun for that reason and the late bloomer comment. And then her Aries moon. I chose Aries over Leo just because I just pictured the warrior you know Aries is is the warrior of the zodiac it's the fighter and I felt like her inner child needed to like roar through like even the way you know she destroys the Huns at the end and in the the first time when she causes the avalanche with fire so it's sort of this fire coming out of her that's bringing her out of her own shell and she's been pouring dirt over her own fire over her own passion for her whole life and this is like the first time that it really comes out to play and she gets to stand in front of all of China and be a hero and I think that that was like beautiful. And she simultaneously is bringing honor and honoring like all of her assets. Also, so. I'm still learning. So this could be totally wrong. But at the end, the they're like, do you want to be like a member of my council? And she's like, no, I got to go back to my family. And I feel like if she was a Leo, she'd be like, yes. Right? I agree. I think, I think she would have like reveled in the applause a lot more and been like I'm here look at me but she was like super like satisfied within her own accomplishments and like bringing that back to her family in like a closed doored situation she didn't stand and wave the sword around and say yeah I'm here I'm gonna take over and rule you guys now like I think that's more of a Leo like show off kind of thing she wasn't showing off she was doing it because she needed to do it yeah it was a sense of like obligation duty bravery uh she definitely was impulsive throughout that film which is a very Aries thing just like really no thought process straight to action like when she grabs the cannon and gets the avalanche going like she just has these really smart ideas and, and, and enacts them very quickly I think that's very fiery that's very Aries and so yeah I, I definitely I stand by my sun and moon placement and 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 the rising I gave her Virgo I was torn between Virgo and Gemini because Mulan is very smart and those are the two smartest, in my opinion, the zodiac signs. Which two were they? Um, they're uh, Virgo and Gemini. Smart in very different ways. Virgo is a lot more logically smart. Gemini is a lot more worldly smart. 
they both are just like complete sponges for knowledge of all kinds and they're both mutable signs so they're able to learn a lot of things very quickly about different subjects they like to work alone they're very kind of like a little bit of a scattered energy because even in the beginning the very first scene where they're pulling her around to get her ready to be a lady the two old men are playing chess or checkers or something and she like makes the winning move you know randomly as she's walking by yeah and she just she sees things very clearly of like how to logically solve problems like even when she climbs the mast before anyone else does she just figures things out she has this determination and it's mostly about her mind and so but I I gave her Virgo just because I wanted her to have more of this like bigger blockades blocking her fire soul if that makes sense I wanted them to be both earth signs so I gave her Virgo rising because she's also a little awkward like the very beginning, she's sort of disheveled and she's socially awkward. Like she doesn't really know, even though she's obviously disguised as a guy and that makes everything awkward to begin with because of her position. I just think that she has a little bit of social awkwardness to her and Virgo risings have a bit of shyness to them. They're not going to be the splashy person that bursts in the room and has a lot to say. They're sort of going to weave their way through and suss out the situation before trying to open their mouths and they're a little like, scatterbrained but super intelligent so I just that was my call for why I chose a Virgo rising I agree with you well again I don't know much but I think that when she's with all of these men that are like so clumsy and kind of dumb she's like okay I gotta step up and help these out it's not that this pride I see coming through where she's like I'm the best she's literally just like you guys like you know nothing how can I help us so we don't all die? Definitely. And I love how they all also cross-dress at the end. Yeah. <laughs> Concubines. <laughs> so remind me, what are her big three again? Okay, Mulan's big three, in my opinion, are Capricorn Sun, Aries Moon, and a Virgo Rising. And should we talk about Captain Lee? Yes. He, I thought, I mean, we got some nepotism going on, but... He was still like super excited to be the next captain. He knows that that's probably coming, but he still seemed like genuinely excited for this promotion. I agree. I like him. I think he has a good heart in there. I called him as a Libra sun, a Capricorn moon, and an Aries rising. And we'll get into some sinistry in a second. But what's funny is just I look for archetypes in these Disney films and maybe I'm reading into the symbology way too much as far as like my astrology brain is concerned. But the one of the very first intros to Captain Lee is he's he gets the short guy forgetting his name. He shoots the arrow up to the top of the wooden pole and then pulls out the weights. And there's a repeated archetype with him always balancing something, like literally like the Libra scales. Like even when Mulan's carrying the stick at one point, she falls and he takes it from her and puts it on his shoulders and he walk he walks away, literally looks like a man, like a, a human scale because <laughs> he's got two bundles on either side of the stick. And I just feel like Libra males, you know, Libra has so many different things to it. There's, there's the partnership aspect to it, the love aspect to it, the sort of... Um, charm aspect but he this is not libra in any of those aspects to me this is libra in sense of a back to sort of this captain american idea a captain america idea where it's about justice and duty and what's fair and what's right because you know there's a reason why the scales are in the justice system symbology like everything is weighed everything is balanced harmonious and i just felt like that was very representative of his idealism and then i gave him a capricorn moon because his heart is in this place of like and his desire in life is to sort of 
be his own, like to be his father, to sort of rise to this, despite, you know, the having like his father seems to not really trust his ability to do the job properly, or like he wants to prove himself and he's ready to do it. He's a lot of patience. He's slow and steady. He's very determined. And then I gave him Aries rising simply because that is the spirit of a warrior. He's obviously got a ton of energy. He's obviously in great physical shape. Yeah, he looks ready to go. And just how he relates to Milan with this kind of sinistry. Okay, so again, Leah's Libra sun, Capricorn moon, Aries rising. That connects with Mulan immediately in a way. And there's no initial attraction between these two that we can sort of identify off the bat just because he thinks she's a guy. And he's just not, that's not a thought that crosses his mind. Um, They obviously- I feel like she has like blinders on too. Like she's there- to help her family she's not there to like meet someone it's like they just happen to like each other 100 percent. yeah and i mean obviously he's an attractive shirtless man that's her her instructor but and you see the initial her initial face when she sees him is one of attraction but that doesn't mean anything further than just physical and it like it's really cool to watch their relationship unravel but it really is something that's built on mutual admiration I feel that eventually evolves into something well we don't even know we don't even know if they end up intimate at all um which kind of speaks to what I said in the beginning of this movie where I think this is like a lot of conversation involved about sexuality and gender and like it's almost as if she admires him in a sense of like wants to be him in many ways you know I know that's a stretch and that's like definitely like just completely a reaching about things but she she sees him as this male warrior who like is himself is true to himself and like doesn't have to hide and doesn't have to be anything but himself and but he also struggles with his own identity because he's living sort of under the shadow of his father so there's sort of this commonality between them of like hiding behind something and not being able to just really just be seen the way they are and I just think his moon connects with her Capricorn sun, his, you know, obviously anyone with an Aries, with a fire moon would, would be attracted to an air sign and he being a Libra, that's a connection there. He's an Aries rising, which also connects to her moon. There's just like a lot of different cool cross links between my theory of what their top three are. So that's their sinistry. It's not necessarily a romantic chemistry sinistry. It's a lot. It could be like a wonderful friendship or it could you know a partnership yeah okay what about the sinistry of the girls together so like pocahontas mulan and ariel would they hang they would definitely get along in a certain setting i just think leadership they're all such leaders three very strong women i think mulan just because of her sort of muted virgo rising she's a little shyer a little awkward but also by the end of that film she really found her fire. She found herself. And I think that anything she does after that, so if she does meet these ladies afterwards, let's say, I think they would all be a force to be reckoned with. I think at first they would be like a little like power power struggle, perhaps. But as soon as they got down to it, I think they would all get along really well. They have air. They both, Ariel and Pocahontas, for sure, they would get along. And I love Eddie Murphy in that movie. Eddie Murphy is so good. That's one really cool thing going back and like Christian Bale as, I think I forget his name, Thomas, whatever, uh, in that first one. And just seeing all these actors that are now so well known and like these earlier roles. And the fact that Alyssa Milano was the inspiration for Ariel. Yes, that is such a fun fact. If you're still here, thank you so much for listening. 
This has been our Sinistry Rebel episode, and we will see you next time. Bye, guys. Thank you. Bye-bye.